Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. You know what I believe? I believe that there is, there is a biblical hope. In fact, let me give you a definition of biblical hope. If you're taking notes, would you write this down? Uh, write this down. Here's a definition of biblical hope. It's confident expectation based on something solid. It's a confident expectation that is based on something solid. Well, pastor, how can I have a confident expectation on something solid? Because if our hope, our lives are anchored in God, how many of you know that God is a God of his promise? God has made promises to you and me. And the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, which means this, God promises to come through on his promises. And so because we have this anchoring into something bigger than ourselves, we can have hope that we serve a God who makes us promises and he never he never goes default on his promise he never lies on his promise and that's what gives us a confident expectation based on something that is solid that's why we've talked about Job this year in 2019 we talked about this man in the Bible named Job who lost his business lost his family got disease and and his health deteriorated he lost everything in a a, like a horrific tragic just scenario of, of circumstances in his life but look what Job says he says this in Job 17 13 where then is my hope You know, that's what a lot of us are saying even today. Even when you hear me talk about hope, some of you are like, well, where's my hope? Like, I don't feel very much hope. Can I tell you, if you're there, you're in good company with other people who have trusted in God. But then he goes this, who can see any hope for my life? In other words, what Job was saying is this, I'm looking for hope, but where is my hope going to come from? Thank God we see later in Job's life that he recenters his life to say, wait a minute, I serve a God who is greater than my circumstance. I serve a God who is greater than my problems. And I love it that later in Job, he says, my hope is found in God. But here's what I've come to determine is many times we face hopelessness in our lives and in our families. Maybe some of you have family members that they're dealing with like a hopeless situation in our society. The re- you know what like news media really does? News media capitalizes on people's fear and hopelessness. You see, hopelessness is a never-ending well that you can never get to the bottom of it. But what it does is it causes us as humanity to search for hope. And I want to give you several places that we find, we try to find hope in. Now, these aren't bad things, but we try to find hope in places that we cannot find hope in. Number one, write this down in your notes if you have them. Number one, write this down. We try to find hope in people. Have you ever noticed like we try to find hope in relationships and we feel like if I can have this relationship and, and, and have this kind of friendship, then, then I will have hope. Like there are times that people like they're single and they're like, God, just help me to get married. That's all I want is to get married. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God, I just want to get married. And, and like, you know, we believe Jerry Maguire that people complete us. And like, God, I just want to get married. And then you get married and you're like, yo, what's up with the toothbrush, homie? I heard this pastor say this one time. He says, when you're single, you attract. And when you get married, you attack. (laughs) It's not great marriage counseling. I don't know if that's necessarily true. But you know what I've come to determine is like relationships are great. But if you are looking for a relationship to totally fulfill you and bring you hope, relationships will fail. Because people aren't perfect. Like we'll even look for, for hope in friendships. 
But how many of you know friendships come and go? I was talking with someone just this week, and we were in this conversation, and they said, hey, David, how many friends that you were friends with in high school are you still friends with today? And I'm like, none. And it almost like made me sad. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I like the only one? What's wrong with me? And I'm like, how many of you? He's like, none. And like, we're at this table. I'm like, none of us at the table are still friends with people in high school. Now, maybe you're different. If you are, congrats. That's awesome. But it's just amazing how friendships will come and friendships will go. It shows us that friendships are great, but friendships are never meant to be the source of our hope. Other people will try to find hope in power. Like, like power find hope and power and they'll say if I can just control everything then I will feel hope filled anybody know someone who's a control freak come on let me see your hand anybody know someone if you're sitting next to them please don't look at them right now please 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 don't do that please do not um you know it's like here's the problem is that we cannot control anything and when we try to control things, or maybe sometimes people say, if I can just get the title or the position or the pay grade, if I can rise to a certain level of power, then I'll have hope. But we know that that's not true. We see people with power, prestige, influence, and position, and their lives still don't contain hope. So we try to find hope and fill our lives with hope from people, from power. How about possessions? Like possessions, like money. And, and what's crazy is there's nothing wrong with money. God wants you to have money, but God doesn't want money to have you. And the thing with money and possessions is, is, is it's a false God. Really, money is like a false God that many of us in our culture, we worship. And it, I believe that money is one of the most dangerous false gods that there is. And here's the reason why. is because money promises the same thing that God promises us. Security. Safety significance and so what happens is when we rise to a certain level of income status all of a sudden we feel like we don't need God anymore because my money has given me security when God said I want to provide you security it gives a significance where God says don't you know that money is not a sign of significance because just like Job how many of you know it could be gone like this and when the money is gone hope is gone Oh, we know this because there are many people in our world today that they, they live behind gated homes and magnificent structures and there's nothing like more beautiful than that. But we know that those hollow uh, houses and, and, and buildings, that they cannot possess hope unless hope has possessed you. And so where do we find hope, Pastor David? Like, where is the source of hope? Because here's what Scripture says about putting our hope in people. Proverbs 11, verse 7 says this. Hopes placed in mortals die with them. And all the promise of their power comes to nothing. So how many of you know we cannot place our hope in people? How many of you know we cannot place our hope in politics? Thirty-three seven. How many of you know? Like we can't place our our hope in power because look what uh, Psalms thirty-three seventeen says: A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Watch this. Despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. In fact, money and possessions cannot be our hope because First Timothy six seventeen says this: Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their Hope in wealth, some of you are like, hope. Hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put their hope in 
God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So where do we go for a source of hope? Come on, if you can just get beyond this being a Christmas message, I believe that God can stir something new in your heart today. Because there is a true source of hope. It says this in Romans 15, 13, May God, who is the source of hope, fill you with joy. Someone say joy. Could someone use a little bit more joy? Come on. How about peace and peace through faith in Him? Then you will overflow with hope. Like, can you imagine leaving here today? Overflowing with hope. Overflowing with joy. Like, I'm not talking about like, oh, yeah, I've got hope for the future. I'm joyful. Yeah, thank God. I have peace. Yeah, that's good. No, I'm talking about like, you know what God wants? God wants your life to overflow. Like, why do we have this perspective of God that like God wants to just like keep us barely surviving on things? No, God wants your life to overflow with hope. Like overflow is like, man, you're just like just overrunning with hope, with peace, with, with joy. And let me say this, if that is not a reflection of your life right now, don't feel bad about that, but you can leave here with an overflow. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready to overflow. Come on. I'm ready to overflow. We can leave with an overflow. Here's what I I know is God wants you to overflow with hope. He wants your hope to be contagious where everywhere you go, people look at you and they say, why are you so happy? And you say, man, because I'm overflowing with hope. I'm overflowing with joy. Um, This week, I was out with uh, some friends and and when I was out, there was this one waitress that was waiting on the table and it was so crazy because I don't know if you've noticed like, man... People in the service industry, they serve in one of the most thankless jobs around. Like, all they get are complaints. My food's too cold. My food's too hot. Uh, it's not good, good enough. Uh, anybody ever work in the service industry, you know what I'm talking about? And it's like, uh, so all I hear are these complaints. And so, you know, like, when you get, like, a happy server, a waitress, waiter, whatever, like, you know, it stands out. And we're at this restaurant, and this waitress, she was like, hey, guys, anybody need some more water? And she's like smiling. She's so happy. And when she walked away the first time, like we're looking like, this girl's on something. <laughs> like, what's this? <laughs> you know, it's like, it was almost like edgy, you know? So she comes back. Hey, are you ready to give me your order? And she's got this little device. And we're like, yeah. And she's like, she literally goes like this. What do you want? <laughs> I'm like some personal space. So I like, tell her what I want. She's like, oh, that's my favorite dish. You're going to love that. I'm like, okay. She does the same thing. She takes our order. She's so happy. By the end of the meal, I'm like, hey, I just have to, okay. What do you want <laughs> right now? Like, like, you seem so happy. And she's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. I am so happy. And I'm like, man, you love Christmas. And she's like, no. And I was like, well, like, why are you so like, like, it's just like, you're so like, just overflowing with like this joy and everything. And she goes, I, I know you're American and everything. You probably don't understand Spanish. I'm like, homegirl, I pastor a church in Westchester. Watch out. <laughs> and she's like, well, my name is Esperanza. And Esperanza means hope. And I'm like, I know that. Thank you. Don't need a translator. I'm good. And she's like, like, my mom gave me this name. And you know what? Like, 
I just realized that like Christmas is a time of hope and I've re-engaged my relationship with God and my life has just been so just so filled with peace and joy and happiness and she's like I'm sorry if you're not a Christian and I don't want to like I don't want to offend you or anything but man God is just like man she was like preaching to me and here's what I know like that is just a sign of what God wants to do in our lives that man we just overflow with hope But pastor, how do we get it? Like, you're talking about it, and I want that kind of joy. Maybe not at level 10, like this girl. But like level 5 would be okay. How do I get hope? Let me give you five things real quick. Some of you, when I said five, you're like, oh, Lord, we're going to be here a while. No, because i got to go preach at Kindle. Which, by the way, if you live in Kindle, I'm glad you're here, but what are you doing here? Like, Kindle, it's like, it's closer to your house. Five things real quick that I believe that God shows us are promises for sources of hope. Number one, would you write this down? Come on, you really need to write this down. Put it in your phone somewhere. Um, where, where is our source of hope from God? Number one is God's promises. Psalm 130 verse 5 says this, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. He says this, I wait on the Lord. My whole being, and he says the word again, it it waits on the Lord. This is so important because this talks about what we know is true. Biblical hope is a patient hope. Have you ever noticed that like God makes promises in his word, but many times there is a, a, a delay from when the promise is given until when the promise is received. Like if you've been walking with God any amount of time, you know that like God's word has promises of greatness over your life. And, and, and may, maybe you're going through a storm in your life and, and you hear the pastor talk about, man, God wants to bring you through and you hear these promises. But many times there is a delay between the promise given and the promise when we actually receive it. You see, because here's the thing. God gives us promises in his word. And let me just say this, first of all, is that you will never know God's promises unless you read God's word. Like in 2020, I'm really going to challenge all of us. We're going to do like Bible reading plans and we're just going to make it easy and simple for you to follow because I believe that this isn't just like some ancient book. How many of you know the word of God is living? How many of you know like this is powerful and you don't have to have a Bible as heavy as this? I just preach with this. Because the bigger the Bible, the greater the anointing. Come on, somebody. Just kidding. But, but you know what? You can just read Scripture even on your phone, even if it's one verse a day. Because when you're reading God's Word, what you're doing is you're reading God's promises. Because God makes promises to you, but you will never know the promises of God unless you begin to get into God's Word. That's why John 17, 17 says this. Sanctify them by the truth, and your Word is truth. Now, that word truth is translated, and it literally means in our language, reality, which means this, God's word gives us reality. Well, Pastor David, I see reality in front of me. That's the reality that I know. Well, what do you want to believe, your reality or God's reality? Like when the doctors tell you you're sick and your bank account tells you you're broke, do you want to believe that or do you want to believe what God's word says and says God can heal you and God can prosper you? You see, I don't know what you've come here and your reality looks like, but I would tell you whatever your reality looks like, challenge it with God's promises over your life. That it is not the end. It is not too late. That God has something greater for you in your life. Come on, somebody needs to give God praise right there. That's a good place to know that God's reality... 
But you know, just coming to church is not enough to get the promises of God. Like we have 52 weeks in the year. So I, I did some math, okay? I did some math because on average, a lot of us at Brave Church over our services um, come to church an average of two to three times a month, okay? And then you guys take like two or three vacations a year. Some of you take more. So that gives us, in my best calculation, like 34, 31 to 34 Sundays a year that you come to church. All right, but that's good. Okay, that's good. But let me help you out with this. Imagine if you only ate 34 times in 365 days. Like, like imagine, like, physically, if you only ate food 34 times in 2020. How many of you know you're going to die? I mean, you're going to fit great into some skinny jeans, but you are going to. But you know what's crazy? We know that physically, but what if I told you it's the same spiritually? Now, look, look, you can't just wait for your pastor to feed you the word of God. That, like, this is a great place to come, and this is a catalyst for you to stir your faith that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, that you yourself, that you're feeding yourself the Word of God, the promises of God. And I know that for many of us, we were raised in, like, liturgical type of church where it's like the Word of God is like, man, it was like something you have to do to, like, make God approve of you. What if I told you that, that God doesn't love you more if you read your Bible every day? Like, where are you going to hear that said at a church? God does not love you less if you haven't read your Bible all year. But let me tell you something. You will love God more if you read God's word every day. Do you know why? When you read the promises of God, like, like this is not like a collection of like hate mail from God. Newsflash, he's not mad at you. The Bible is God's love letter to humanity. Like everything in here points, even in the Old Testament, it prophesies of Jesus coming to this earth. Even in Isaiah, thousands of years before Jesus was born, the prophet wrote that a savior would be born, even pinpointed where he would be born. It was everything in this is God's love letter to say, hell is sending a rescuer. I'm sending a savior. I know that all hell is breaking loose, but take heart, Miami. Take heart, brave church. I'm sending help is on its way. See, God's promises. Number two, write this down, is God's process. You see, we find hope in God's process. Romans 5 verse 2 says this, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Wait, what? Wait, he just said, I rejoice in pain? I rejoice in suffering? He says this because we know, watch this, this is Paul, suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. In character, hope. What if I told you that the pain you're going through is actually step one in you receiving the greatest hope for your life? What if I told you that there is a process that at times God will put us in to develop perseverance? Because how many of you know you don't develop perseverance until there's pain? 
But let me just say this. If you have pain somewhere in your life right now, if it's relational pain, if it's financial pain, if it's whatever kind of pain in your life, can I tell you, pain is a symptom of growth. Talk to anyone who works out that if, if they work out and they don't feel pain, they know that they're not, even, they're not doing the form right or that they need to do something to create more tension, more weight. They need to add more pressure. Come on, are you with me, 10 o'clock? This is the turn up 10. Like more pressure because the more pressure, then what I'm doing is I'm building the lactic acid in my body, which as you know, when you wake up after leg day, you're like, oh God. But any athlete, anyone who works out understands that the pain from working out means what? My muscles are growing. You see, it's the same thing with our lives. The pain you're going through, what if I told you the pain you are going through right now is not because God doesn't love you. It's not because he's abandoned you. What if I told you that you're in the process of getting promoted? What if I told you that your pain has a purpose? What if I told you that your pain is producing growth? What if I told you that the thing that you're going through, if you would just learn not to walk away from God, don't walk away from church, don't walk, but let it be an anchor to your soul, it will produce great growth in your life you know what I've learned is that we pray for promotion but we don't pray for promotability like God promote me God prosper me God help me to go to the next level and God's like okay but I've got to get you to a place where you are promotable pastor what does that mean here's what that means if God blessed you without taking you through the process the blessing would crush you and destroy you that's why, like, you know, if you ever, you know, if you ever, like, see, drive down the neighborhood, you see these beautiful houses, and, you know, you could ask a question, and I don't know if you've done this. I was with my parents the other day, and we were talking about uh, Brave Church and, and Christmas, and we got a Starbucks in the drive through My dad's like, hey, let's just go drive through this particular area in Miami. We are driving through, and there's all these beautiful, gorgeous, like, mansions everywhere. And my dad says, I wonder what these people do. I'm like, man, like, what do you do to, like, live there, like? What in the world? Anybody ever thought that before? It's like, what do you do? Um, like the Miami Vice era is over. Like, is, could it? Could, not, okay, never mind. And then I had this question come to my mind. And it wasn't, what do you do? But I wonder what price you paid to get to where you are. You see, anywhere someone has success, they've paid a great price for it. Any great marriage... People are paying a price for a great marriage. Like people are like, man, I just want a marriage like you, marriage like you. You talk to that couple, they're like, you sure you want a great marriage like us? You don't know what hell we've been through. <laughs> oh, your kids are so great. Your kids are amazing. And like, you don't know like the discipline and the structure that they've put. Here's what I would tell you. Anyone's great life, like any man or woman of God that you see God using them greatly, don't covet the gift. You should always wonder, I wonder what price they're paying to stand where they're standing today. Because anytime God does something significant, there's always a process, and that process inevitably creates pain. But let me tell you what that pain does. That pain creates perseverance. And perseverance creates character. 
You see, without pain, there's no character. And your gift will only take you so far. But if your character hasn't developed, then your gift will weigh more than your character and your gift will crush your life. So that's why there are times that you've got to persevere through the tough times because it's in the painful season God's working deep inside your heart. It's in the painful seasons that he's making you stronger. It's in the painful seasons that your faith is growing deeper. Some, anybody, somebody here at the turned up 10 that maybe you've gone through some, anybody here, you've gone through a storm. You've gone through a battle, but you're here and you say, I'm still standing. Oh, there was pain. There was hurt. There was betrayal. There was abuse. But my God, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep see what we should begin to do is God create that purpose in me God create that process in me stop running from the pain and just anchor in yeah 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 number three write this down I got to get through this quick because Kendall's going to be waiting on me number three is this God's purpose we find hope through God's purpose I've read this verse to you in 2019. I went back and counted. I've read this verse to you 19 times. 19 different Sundays I've included this verse. It's my favorite verse in the world. In all of the scriptures, it's my favorite verse. And I'm going to give it to you close to the end of 2019 because I want to close this year out. we got one more week. Don't miss next week. It's going to be crazy. But I want to close this out by saying this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you. This is the purpose of God. Plans not to harm you, but I want to give you a what? Come on, that was like almost a turned up tent. Plan to give you a? And a future. Can I tell you, that's why we have brave life. It is our leadership discipleship, and many of you need to sign up for it right now before 19 ends. Don't wait for 2020, because what Brave Life is, it's helping you discover why you are alive and what your purpose is. Some people say, well, pastor, it's too late. I've got a family now. I've got kids. I can't do what God created me to do. I'm wrapped up in this business. My schedule is crazy. I want to serve God. I want to come to church more. I want to live by purpose. But man, I just, when things slow down, can I tell you, things will never slow down. I have this thing that that I wrote in my journal like eight years ago, and it's this saying, and here's what it is, it's never too late to become who you might have been. Like some of you, like maybe you're like, you're getting older, and like you're like, well man, that would have been great, but I'll just leave that to the young people. No, it's never too late to become who you might have been. It's a good day to start right now. Like Ecclesiastes 9.4 says this, anyone who is among the living has hope. Come on, say it. Anyone who is among the living has what? I love this next part. Even a live dog is better than a dead lion. Some of you feel like your roar is gone. Do you still have breath in your lungs? Come on, everyone breathe in with me. Everyone go. Now breathe out. Some of you are not participating. We're going to do it again. Come on, one, two, three, breathe in. Breathe out. Come on, one more time for the 10% that are stubborn in Jesus' name. Come on, one, two, three. Breathe out. You know what that's called? Hope. 
some of you are like, no, Pastor, it's called yoga. No, it's hope. It's hope. It's hope. I've come here today to tell someone, it's hope. If you have breath in your lungs, you still have purpose on your life. So we get our, our, our hope from get our hope from God's promises, his process, his purpose. Number four, we get hope from God's place. Philippians 3:20 says this, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? We are not citizens of this earth. In fact, scripture says that everything we do on this earth is preparing us for eternity. Remember, I talked a little bit about this last week. Let me take it a step further. Let me give you this illustration. What if you had 24 hours in the course of a 24-hour day? Are you with me? Say yeah. yeah. In the course of a 24-hour day, everything you did in that 24 hours would affect the next 1,000 years. My question is, how would you spend that 24 hours? Like, would you spend 24 hours just living for the moment, spending money however you wanted, just doing and partying? Or, and, and let me just say this. And, and what if in that thousand years you couldn't change anything because everything in that thousand years all depended on what you did in that 24 hours? Do you know what you would do? You would prepare every single second of that 24 hours would go to make sure that that thousand years were the best thousand years of your life. Can I tell you, this life is even shorter than those 24 hours when compared to eternity. And we get great hope because this Sunday, I know there are a lot of people in this room that you don't feel that hope. But Jesus says this, I'm preparing a place for you. Heaven is real, y'all. Come on, let me say this again. Heaven is real. And when this life is over, like there is such a greater place than, than earth. Like, well, Pastor, what's heaven going to be like, man? Like, dude, in my mind, you know, I see movies. Like that one movie, I don't know, Jim Carrey's in, I think. Like, he's like, oh, like, like, are we like sitting on clouds? Are we having halos? Like, it's going to be weird. Church choirs everywhere, you know. No, heaven is going to be, it's going to be everything you dreamt of and more. It's a place you want to be. It's a place that we have hope and purpose. And it's beautiful because here's the thing. There are many of us here today, you've lost loved ones. One of the greatest hopes is when I stand like in environments where people have lost people and I pray for them. When I'm with believers, there is a great hope that they have because here's what they know. Even non-believers look and say, man, how do you have this hope? You're grieving, but you just have a peace. Here's how. Because I know that in just a little bit, we're going to be reunited again. We're going to see each other again. Man, we're going to see each other again face to face with Jesus. Because how many of you know God's got a place? Let me give you the fifth place. Are you with me? Just one more. Number five, how do we have great hope? Number five, write this down in your notes, because of God's presence. You know, that's why I believe that so many people love Brave Church. And they look forward to the weekend because when they come to Brave Church, they really, they sense the presence of God. Can I tell you, everything we do is to have the presence of God here. That's why in worship, just this morning during worship, man, I could feel the presence of God in this place. I don't want to do church if the presence of God isn't there. Because it's the presence of God that heals our hearts. It's the presence of God that restores our minds. Come on. It's the presence of God. Can I tell you, when you're in the presence of God, there's great hope. And I've come here today to tell you, hope is here. Are you willing to embrace the hope that has come for you? 
Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.